You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 to 15, and we're going to be talking about this idea of giving cheerfully and living thankfully. It's kind of a continuation of some of the concepts that we've talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, although there's some nuance to some of the things that are mentioned here in this chapter. But before we get to that, I want to share just a couple quick things about some updates that we made to our website and some of the things that we've made available on there. Uh, one of my favorite hobbies is writing. I like to write quite a bit, and uh, at this point now, I have quite a few books that I've had the the privilege of publishing, and they're they're all or most are available on Amazon. Not all, I should say. Uh, but uh, one of the books that uh, I put together recently is a book called The Last Lecture of Jesus, and it's a collection of the things, it's like an, uh, an in-depth study of the things that Jesus taught his disciples just prior to his crucifixion. And if you go to Amazon.com, you could see that the paperback version of that book is available there. But what I decided to do was to make the digital version of it free for listeners of the informal Bible study. And all you have to do is just go to pastor.us and you can download it right from the website. Once it becomes available on Amazon, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. That's part of their agreement. Once it becomes uh, available in their Kindle platform, I'm not allowed to to give it away freely in digital form. Uh, But I haven't submitted it to them yet for that. So uh, in this in-between stage, if you'd like a free digital copy, just go over to the website. I'll have that up there for a little bit uh, in between now and when I submit it over to Amazon. And then once I submit it over to Amazon for their approval, then I have to take that down. But uh, if, you, if you'd like a free copy, just head on over and grab that. And you'll also notice one other change on the website. And in the top right-hand corner of uh, pastor.us, you'll see a link for our newsletter. And what I've started doing is from time to time, sometimes once a week, sometimes several times a week, I uh, put out a newsletter that's basically all about uh, growth tips and tools and and different uh, resources that are available to be utilized uh, that I'll pass along via the newsletter. And uh, we call it Today's Investment in Your Growth. And if you'd like to be on the email list to start receiving that, all you need to do is click that link up at the top right of the page, and you'll start receiving that. And like I said, it's sometimes just once a week, sometimes a couple times a week. And if you ever get sick of receiving it, there's a a nice unsubscribe link right on the bottom of the page, so we don't want to spam you. But we do want to pass that along if you'd you'd like some of the resources that we're putting together and some of the other things that that, uh, we like to share that we hope will be um, just an investment in your growth in your walk with Christ. So a couple quick changes on the website that I wanted to pass along to you, and I thought I'd share that with you today. Now, as I mentioned a a few moments ago, today we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at this concept of giving cheerfully and living thankfully. And I think all of us could probably testify to the fact that there are people in our lives that tend to be rather cheerful people. And cheerful people tend to be uh, in a sense, magnetic in their personality. They tend to be people that, that you want to be around. They tend to be people that uh, we're, we're eager to see, that we're eager to spend time with. 
Um, uh, just uh, earlier today, I had the opportunity to sit down with my youngest daughter. Every one of my children, all the other three, were were out of the house doing various things at work with friends, things like that. And she and I were the only two left. And we went, we grabbed some food, and then we came back home, and we were watching TV together. And uh, we were actually watching the show Undercover Boss. I don't know if you've ever had the chance to see that, but we sat down to watch a um, a recorded version of that. And uh, there happened to be somebody, one of the employees that was on that show. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a reality show that you know where bosses go undercover and they try and see what some of the things that their employees are doing uh, behind the scenes. They try and get that figured out. And the one boss happened to go into the gym that he owned. And uh, this woman that was running the uh, welcome station at the entrance to that particular gym franchise was so cheerful and welcoming. She had a, a magnetic personality. She was just very cheerful. And the owner of the uh, the whole chain was just encouraged and drawn to that about her. And he highly complimented her about that. She was just so cheerful in her demeanor that it had a visible effect on those around her. And we see that idea, we see that concept of of being a cheerful person for Christ's glory spoken of in the passage that we're going to be looking at uh, today. And so before we dig into it, I'm going to have a word of prayer for us, and then we're going to pick apart this portion of Scripture a section at a time. I'm not going to read the whole thing at once. We're going to look at it a little bit at a time today. But before we do that, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at it together today. And as we look at this portion of Scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we pray, Lord, that we would understand more about what it means to be cheerful in our giving, to be people who are thankful for the life that you've blessed us with. We pray, Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified in our lives, and we're just so thankful for a portion of Scripture like this that gives us great encouragement that by your grace we have the privilege to utilize. So we pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us now and help us to understand what it means to live out this portion of Scripture that you've blessed us with the opportunity to access today. And we thank you, Lord, for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I mentioned, we're, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and in just a moment, I'm going to read the first five verses, but one of the things that we could see here in this, in this uh, chapter that, that really speaks about this concept of giving cheerfully and living thankfully is this encouragement for us to give evidence of genuine faith. This is what it says in the opening verses, starting with verse 1. It says, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said, you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Let's pause there. 
Now, as uh, the Apostle Paul did in the previous chapter, when we look at 2 Corinthians 9, we have Paul continuing to speak of the relief offering that he was organizing for the church at Jerusalem. So that's what he's talking about here. That's the context that he's uh, speaking about or that he's speaking these verses in. And what he was doing was he was encouraging the church at Corinth to participate in this relief offering for the church at Jerusalem as an expression of genuine faith, not as a task that they felt coerced to do. And he even states here that he has been boasting about them, that he's been speaking about their growth in Christ, that he's been talking about their partnership in the ministry of the gospel. And as he's talking about this, he told them that he wanted them to make sure that his boasting about them didn't prove empty meaning that they practice this expression of genuine faith in Jesus Christ as evidence of the fact that they truly trusted in him. And as we look at this, I'm glad Paul brings up that subject in this passage, because what he's speaking of is a true concern that's worth noticing. Throughout this world, and I'll say even in our context, there are many people who casually profess to believe in Jesus. But is that profession of faith genuine, or is it superficial? And what's the difference between stating you believe something and actually living out that belief? The truth is there can be quite a large gulf between the two. In fact, when a person becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, they don't just become an improved version of their old self. The change Jesus makes is deeper than that. When we become a new creation in Christ, our core values are transformed. And when the deepest things we believe come in line with the heart and mind of Christ, those new beliefs start appearing in our lives. There's an excellent example of this in Luke chapter 19, and I want to read it to us today. In that chapter, it tells us about Jesus meeting a man named Zacchaeus, and this is what the scripture says. It says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's a beautiful portion of Scripture, and maybe some of us became familiar with that portion of Scripture as children. We certainly know that there are children's songs written about that portion of Scripture. But it's a great example that we're given here in Luke chapter 19, because in that portion of Scripture, we're told about this man. His name is Zacchaeus, and it tells us that basically Zacchaeus had spent the bulk of his life defrauding people financially, particularly uh, in his adult life. He was was wealthy, but he was not apparently a well-liked man. 
But when Jesus reached out to him, Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus with joy. He went from being a mere observer of Jesus to someone who actually trusted in Jesus, to being someone who knew Jesus personally, and he was changed from within. As the Holy Spirit convicted Zacchaeus' heart, he told Jesus that he would give to those who were in need and that he would restore anything he had defrauded fourfold. And I point this out because this is evidence of genuine faith. There are people in this world that I believe when they tell me that they love Jesus. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take a moment to brag on one of my children for just a moment, like Paul boasts about the Corinthians in this passage. I believe my daughter Hannah when she tells me she believes in Christ, because I see Christ in her life, in her demeanor, and in her, her joyful service toward others. And apparently, others see that too. Uh, the other day, she posted something online that was uh, just kind of like a, it was a picture that had a statement on it. And the statement said, complete this sentence. Everyone who knows me knows I love blank. There was just a blank there for people to fill in as they would comment. And you know what the majority of her friends answered? The majority of her friends answered, everyone who knows me knows I love, and they filled in the blank, Jesus. That, that my daughter knows Jesus or that my daughter loves Jesus. That's her reputation among her peers, and I see that in her demeanor, and I believe that that's the case. Because genuine faith becomes obvious in a person's life. If we truly trust Jesus, we will give evidence of that. And the Apostle Paul was encouraging the Corinthians to be mindful of this truth and to give evidence of their faith in their generosity. Something else he brings out in this passage of Scripture that's worth noticing is the specific encouragement to give cheerfully. Let me read verses 6 through 9 of 2 Corinthians 9. He says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Thursday nights are a fun time in our church. It's the night we host our our midweek ministries for children and youth. And the children and teens are taught the scriptures in a deeper way, and we're grateful to have that privilege. And in between those teaching moments, our church is loud, (laughs) and there's lots of fun things going on. So it's just an, an overall fun evening. And I have to say, one of my favorite evenings uh, was uh, one of the evenings that we did, I guess a little while ago now, but it was kind of a theme evening that we did with the kids that was called Messy Night. And basically that meant that every game that we played with the teens in particular, 
made an absolute mess. There was quite a lot of mopping that needed to take place afterward, but it was well worth it. And the best was the game that they played where they had to lay down on the floor while someone dumped ice cream toppings on their faces and effectively turn their faces into Sundays. That's that's what the the uh, the essence of the game was to turn your friend's face into an ice cream Sunday. And the goal was to be excessive, not stingy, <laughs> in the amount of toppings that you used. And we have uh, some some good pictures and some really fun video that came from that night. And I bring that up because our attitude toward giving should operate in a similar fashion. You have the Apostle Paul in this passage trying to help the Corinthians to understand and trying to help them to experience the joy of being generous with their giving. You have them living in a a decadent culture that certainly had examples of wealth and poverty. And we get the impression that there were examples of both wealth and poverty in the Corinthian church as well. And it can be tempting at times when the Lord blesses you with something to try and hold on to that blessing in a stingy way, even though it may be that he shared that blessing with you, to grant you the privilege of sharing it generously with others. And that was something Paul was trying to convey in his teaching here. Our God is gracious. He gives gifts to us that we don't deserve. He is a cheerful giver, and our hearts should reflect his. And we're actually told here that God loves a cheerful giver. He is pleased to see his children trust him enough to step out on faith and to bless others with the blessings that he's bestowed. And Paul was trying to help the church understand this concept. This was more than just a momentary action he was trying to prompt. This goes you know, far beyond the idea of contributing to this relief offering for the church at Jerusalem. This was a way of life for a growing believer in Christ that Paul was trying to convey. It's a way of life for us if we're seeking to grow in our walk with Christ. Generosity is not something that we should just practice when it's prompted by force. I don't even know that generosity would be the term to use if it was just a matter of us being compelled by force to practice it. Rather, the principle here is that we should seek the Lord's leading in this area, and we should always give as he leads. And again, please be aware that that even though the specific context being spoken of here was a church offering, the principle being addressed goes far beyond that. Paul was encouraging the Corinthians to live by faith, to trust that God would meet their needs, to trust that God can and does make his gifts abound to us so that we can abound in using them for activity that glorifies him and helps others. And when you look at this portion of Scripture, you have you actually have a quote here from Psalm 112 that, that Paul's referencing here in an attempt to drive this point home. And let me expand on this by reading more from Psalm 112 than is actually quoted here in this passage. But in Psalm 112, verses 5 to 9, it says, It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. 
The Lord directly tells us, when we look at that passage, that things go well for generous people. Their trust isn't in what they own. Generous people have hearts that are firm, walking day by day in the trust of the Lord. In fact, their trust of the Lord precipitates or comes before their generosity. Their generosity is actually an expression of their trust in the Lord. And so that's something the Lord's trying to foster in our lives, and that's something that the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate to the church at Corinth so that they would understand that this was a mark of spiritual maturity, an expression of genuine faith. And he wraps up this concept or this teaching when we look at verses 10 through 15 by encouraging us to live content in Christ's righteousness. Look at what it says in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 9. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That's how this portion of Scripture concludes. You know, I was thinking about this over the course of this past week, but uh, our church family, not just recently, really over the past couple years, but but there's definitely plenty of recent examples as well. Uh, Our church family has been blessed to welcome a, a bunch of new babies over the past couple years. I've lost count. I could probably figure it out if I tried, but in the past two or three years, Lots of little babies born, and it's always exciting to see. They're all beautiful. Um, But have you ever taken a moment to just stare at a newborn baby, particularly after they eat? What do they do? (laughs) In most contexts, they pass out. You know, it's like they, they just go limp. They're so content with their full belly that I often hear mothers call it a milk coma. You know, they just it's like they just go to sleep. Now, there's oftentimes I've, I've, I've had a good meal and have uh, felt like taking a nap after that, but babies literally do it. You know, they, in, in, in a lot of contexts, they just, j- just pass out. They're just so content. And when you look at this portion of Scripture as it finishes up, the Lord invites us to be content in Him, to be content in His provision without feeling the need to destroy ourselves in the never-ending pursuit of more of what this world has. Because the Lord supplies seed. He supplies food. He enriches us in every way so that we can be generous in every way. And it's interesting because most often when I hear these verses referenced, or when I hear these verses quoted, people tend to be speaking about physical provisions. And those things are certainly mentioned here, but there's a harvest that's greater than grain that God desires to foster in your life and in my life. And it's a harvest of righteousness. That's the ultimate way that he's speaking about here that we're being enriched. It's not just materially. It's also in this this idea of a harvest of righteousness 
being produced in our lives. When we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we did so as men and women who acknowledged our need to be rescued. We had to admit that we were stuck in sin and that we needed his mercy and forgiveness. Jesus then accepted us unto himself when we trusted in him. And then he granted us a a gift of immeasurable value that was missing from our life. That was the gift of his righteousness. We had no righteousness of our own to offer him. So he gave us his. And he wants to see his righteousness actively utilized in our lives moment by moment. And the truth is, part of our spiritual maturity is coming to the place where we recognize that through Christ, we now have what we were missing. We now have his righteousness. And he calls us, as recipients of his righteousness, to be content in him, to rest in him, to find peace and satisfaction for our souls in him, to wake up every day convinced that that if you have Jesus, you already have everything you need in this world. Anything else is is bonus, because your greatest need has already been met. As we finish up, I want to quote a couple people. I don't know if you're familiar with the singer Alison Cross. Uh, She has some really good songs, and she was once quoted as having said this. She said, I don't look for bliss, just contentment. That's what she said she was looking for, contentment. That's what she wanted. I also like the thoughts of John Ortberg. He's a, he's a well-known Christian author. And he said this. He said, my main job is to live with deep contentment, joy, and confidence in my everyday experience of life with God. Everything else is job number two. It's a fantastic quote, fantastic thought. And the truth is Christ has called us to give cheerfully and to live thankfully convinced that he is sufficient for all we truly need, that our hearts can be content in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at this portion of Scripture today. And we're thankful for the reminders that you give to us in this portion of Scripture of what it means to be men and women who know you, and love you, are who are growing mature in our walk with you, and who find that we can be content in you. Lord Jesus, we know that you love us. We know that you have supplied what was missing from our lives. We lacked your righteousness, and now through faith in you, you've granted it to us as a gift. And now it's our responsibility in this world to simply live with a deep contentment and joy and confidence in our everyday experience of life with you. And Lord, we pray that if we get off track, we pray if the things of this world tend to cloud our judgment, we pray that if a, if the pursuit of the things of this world tends to dominate our thinking and dominate our lives, that you would help us to get back on track and that we would find that when we have you, we have everything we need. Lord, that's a message I need to be reminded of so frequently, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to remind me of that, that the 
the pursuit of the things of this world is not something that's ever going to bring peace or satisfaction to my heart, that that's only going to come to my life, that's only present in my life when I'm content in you, that you are the source of my peace, that you are the source of my contentment, that you are the source of my satisfaction, and that's your promise for all of us. So, Lord, we're grateful for these things. We're grateful that we can live thankfully, that we could be cheerful in our giving, in our living, in all aspects of our lives because of your presence in our lives. And, Lord, we love you. We thank you for all of these things, and we thank you for the privilege to just meditate on this portion of your word today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, if you're hearing it close to the time when it's been recorded, uh, I just want to encourage you to to hop over to our website, pastor.us, and grab a free digital copy of The Last Lecture of Jesus while I'm able to have that up there. I can have that up there for just a little bit longer, and uh, then it's it's going to go away for a little bit. Uh, so uh, if you're able to grab it, we'd encourage you to do so. We also have a link for our newsletter right at the top right corner of the website, pastor.us. And if you want to be on our newsletter and receive today's investment in your growth when I release that, sometimes, like I said, once a week, sometimes a few times each week, uh, that'll come to your email. If you just if you just enter your email up in the top right of the page there, we'll make sure that you get it. And like I said, if it's ever something you want to stop receiving, no hard feelings. You just click unsubscribe, and there'll be a link in each email to do that as well. But it's a fun way to connect during the week. And as I find helpful things, I like to pass those along to others as well. So that's everything for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week. If there's any way we could be praying for you during the course of the week, don't hesitate to to just drop us a line at our website and let us know, and I promise we'll be praying for you during the course of the week as well. It's always a lot of fun to find out where people are listening to this podcast from. I actually received a message uh, just a couple weeks ago from someone who listens to the podcast in a, a town in Norway that is uh, the same name as my last name. My last name here in the United States, it said Stange. It's spelled S-T-A-N-G-E. I don't know how it's pronounced in Norway, but there's a town that I would look at and pronounce it as Stange, Norway, and uh, it was really fun to get uh, an email from a listener who lives there and who listens from there. So that was great. So I don't know where you listen to this podcast from. I, I do know that, that its reach is far and wide throughout the world, and that's just amazing that the Lord's given us this tool of the Internet that we can connect all throughout the world from various places. But thanks to those of you who are listening from all over the place. Our thanks to those of you as well who Reach out to us and just let us know that you're listening. And uh, if you ever get a chance to do that, just uh, drop us a line and let us know where you listen from. It's always fun to hear from listeners, and it's just great to have the opportunity to share these, these times of teaching and study of God's Word with you. So with that said, we hope you have a great week. We're looking forward to getting together with you again next Monday on this podcast, and we'll talk to you then. Have a good one. Take care.
Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.